Hey folks, this is Ian Foster, and this is If and When, a podcast where I talk to other creators about how and why they do their thing. To start, I'm talking to colleagues, friends, and veterans of the arts community at home here in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. These are not so much traditional interviews as they're a chat over coffee or something a little stronger. So come sit in and have a listen. Hello, welcome back to the If and When podcast. You're listening to part two of my conversation with Kayla Mahoney, where we pick up right where part one left off. You can, as always, go back and listen to part one in the podcast app of your choosing to get caught up before you listen to this one. Uh, We focus a lot in this part of the conversation on production, and that's one of the ways that Caleb and I have really bonded, I think, and gotten to know each other, just having producer chats over the last few years. I started out making my own records many years ago. I had a Boss BR-800 kind of plasticky 8-track thing with all of these built-in effects and stuff, and... It was so cool. I just remember the the magic of multi-tracking and trying out stuff and getting to just put my hands on these ultimately pretty cheap faders, but move them around and hear what a difference it made. And I was I was hooked from that point and it just gave me such power and control over my own music even though it probably sounded horrible by my own standards today. It it just felt so cool to start on that journey. And so I went down that rabbit hole myself and and started making my own records and then eventually started using the knowledge that I had accrued to make records for other people. And it's honestly one of my favorite things to do now. I think that it allows me access to the art of song, but also being outside of it in the sense that it's not my song, you know? So I can can get that bird's eye view and help another artist make the choices that they need to make for their music. And, and really just trying to set the table, that's a big part of it too. You know, I've made records in art galleries, I've made them in houses, I've made them in conventional studios, I've gone to all kinds of spaces because depending on the record, a certain vibe is required, a certain situation is required to make the music happen the way it should be able to happen. Of course you can make any record anywhere. This is like those multiple choice tests where it says all of these answers are correct, what answer is the most correct? I feel like that's a big part of my job as a producer is to try to figure out which answer is the most correct, not just when it comes to how long should the verse be or should there be an extra bar at the beginning or the end, but the more bird's eye important questions of just how a record comes together, what sound should be there, all that stuff. So I love it. Calum loves it. We get into a big discussion about how all of that works and a bunch more. So I hope you enjoy part two of my conversation with Kayla Mahoney. Talk to me about the Great Big Sea co-writes. Yeah, well, that all sort of happened uh, throughout that time as well. Like, uh, I mean, I had known, I met Sean first, and I can't exactly remember exactly how that came about, but anyway. And he was like, a, he was pushing the band because I, I guess he liked it and it was 
something that uh, he he wanted to do. And then, of course, we started hanging out here and there because we know sort of the same people. And and uh, then we just started like you know just kick around, kick around a song for hanging out. Oh, we got this. You know how it happened innocently enough. Sure. And uh, but then it was like, well, you know, we sort of seemed to have a little bit of a gel together. Mm-hmm. And you know, basically, the next thing I know, it's you know, you know, we're friends, we're hanging out at parties and stuff like that. But then we, you know, it's like well, I liked, I really, really liked something about that last song. Mm. So then we have like first serious sort of co-write, and then that doesn't really go no go anywhere or whatever. But then you have more and more and more. Something else comes out of that one particular thing, and then you know, then it's uh, get this demo sent to me that it was. Um, Alan and Sean and Bob sort of working off this co-write that myself and Sean had come up with. The song that I had that I brought in, they changed a little bit as as it goes. And, mm-hmm. and then, of course, I'm like, oh, we're gonna, we've demoed it, and we're going to demo it for the album. And I was like, then it's going to make the album, and then it's going to be single two from the album. Mm-hmm. And then, so then we just, then it was like something that just became part of it then we you know when they need a new song so it was just sort of one of the we just write a bunch mm. you know and uh they're still sort of coming out like there's one on on sean's last i think it's his last album um that you know we had written years ago that you know he went back through the the well and looked through and sent me a version of it and it's so there's they're still sort of coming out we wrote a lot Right, we wrote a lot. Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the that period and those tunes? Oh, it was amazing. It was just, uh, yeah, it was it was quite amazing. I mean, it was it it was sort of like a little bit more of the big time than we had like I'd ever been used to. Really, you know, like dealing with you know you had to like publishing and all that sort of stuff, and like there was you know there was money involved in it, sure, and all that, and I mean they were. You know, they were a huge band at the yeah. time, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so there was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool, no doubt about it. But uh, just seeing how, like, the guys were also laid back about it, too, which I thought was, you know, was, 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 was really nice, too. Like, it didn't really change any dynamic as to how we, you know, hung with each other or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I went on a couple of tours with them, like selling shirts. And uh, so we spent a lot of time together. So then we'd be writing a little bit there, here and there, too. So there was a lot of things that came together that... And that was a great lesson, too, to never sort of not record stuff. To never... Right? Right. You know, because, I mean, I, I'm still sort of lamenting songs from probably last year that I didn't do that with. Now I can't remember. Right. <laughs> you know? So that was uh, no. It was quite. It was quite an. Ex- it was exciting time, though. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it really totally. was. Yeah. And so, what's the period there? Um, obviously, Monday nights. You know, mm. uh, how many years now on Monday nights? Uh Monday nights. I think. Monday nights. I think we played our first first gig in uh, 2007. Right. And. Uh, that was uh, so. You know, we haven't played that much in the last little while, but we're we are doing a gig soon, right? To uh, for the tenth anniversary of our first album, which was came out in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I have been, myself and Elliot, and 
you know, really close since, you know, for as long as I've known, you know, the, the Tizards and Mark and Scott. Yeah. So, and Neri was close too. And then Justin Mertzoy was initially in the band. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, no, I mean, we just sort of said, well, just, you know, like Gearbox had sort of, and I wasn't playing, I was playing a little bit by myself or whatever, but sort of got a little, sort of lost the, because uh, I mean, it's a real, it's a real, I don't know, it's a real team, you know, it's just, you miss seeing people all the time. Like yeah. That, you know, if you're. Did that affect the creative output for you? I mean, there was obviously a gap between these bands, a gap between collaborations. Mm -hmm. How was that? Were you still throughout this whole time consistently writing or did you um, kind of take some time off? No, I, I, there, I probably wasn't a whole lot for the, for a little while. I was just sort of playing, but then I sort of, then I sort of just started writing again on my own. And then I had these songs that I thought were pretty decent. And I don't know, we just, it just sort of, I went in with, with Justin actually, mm -hmm. just to sort of demo them, just to actually t quickly, just to see if they sounded like anything or if they were just, a, if, if it was just nothing or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it sounded okay. And it was seeing, seeing Mark and Elliot a lot at the time. We were spending a lot of time together and just you know, sort of, like why don't why don't we just do this you know mm -hmm. and uh we went down to the studio a great big studio again and uh demoed a couple of songs and just thought well geez was just maybe we should just see if we can find any little bit of some money to record something and we did mm -hmm. so then we were sort of and actually before that we we booked a, a show so we had to force ourselves to learn one set <laughs> right Right, so that's the only way we could do it. Right, to f just force ourselves. Like public um, humiliation is a strong motivator. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, we got to know these by it Friday. It's like no yeah. matter what, we got to know these ten songs. That was just a quick little <laughs> set. We have to do it, and and we did, and it uh, that turned out to be quite a ride too. Like some some great recording experiences and 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 live stuff too. And uh, just about to do a little bit more of that too. And there probably could be another album yet. I mean, who it's knows? Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is exciting. It's quite exciting. Awesome. Um, Production-wise, when did this all begin for you in terms of, I'm sure, like like my own experiences, it's been somewhat organic, you know, sort of happening and then happening between other stuff you were working on. But, you know, this is this is a big part of your life now, it seems. Yeah, that You're making records fairly consistently over the yep. last few years. Yeah. Um, I guess we started getting excited about it doing the Gearbox records, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and just, like... I used to always have this idea as to, like, sometimes, like, drum patterns and, and things like that, or, you know, how... how, how Where the... T like, I always liked, uh, you know, like, tambourines and shakers and stuff like that, which is, like, a pop sensibility that I always sort of liked at the time, that uh, just sort of... So I get into that sort of thing. Like, I never really got... In, I never really understood, like, the editing or the timing or that sort of thing at the time. I just, like... But hooks were always a thing that I... I was like, I think it, this this guitar part would sound, that'd be nice mm. if you played just like the simple sort of drum pattern. So I really don't know why. I just sort of got, just got really sort of hung up on it. And I guess I used to talk about it to other people, you know, trying to explain it or whatever. And then the first album I ever produced, except for our own, like the last Gearbox album was sort of like a co-production. Mm -hmm was Mike Hanrahan's first album, mm -hmm. Tie Me Down. 
And uh, by then I was really excited by it. And of course, just completely motivated to just make sure that it was going to be cool. Right. You know, and uh, worked really hard. I mean, I remember at that time he was living in a house on Bond Street and we recorded there and he was playing with the Irish Descendants and would be in and out of town. So, and myself and Scott were working on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'd do as much as we could and then myself and Scott would work on it. But I remember going down there in the morning, it was like an excitement. Like I, it was, it was pretty wild to get up. And it was in the summertime too, which, which was which was awesome. Yeah. And I lived down the road, so just walk up there and, you know, record, try to figure things out, just be completely with it. And, uh, you know, it turned out to be, but I didn't go home and listen to it all night long, which right. I still do. Right. I mean, I, I still just do it. Just Mike Hanrahan's record over and over again. With yeah. The home notes. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> no, but I still, I still do it. I mean, I still do it when I'm working on something now. I'll get back from the studio for that day and... I'm not sure if it, I, I don't think anybody else does it when they want to get home and not hear it. I'm still back there going around, you know, with the headphones on. It's just I, of, I've done it, it, and that's how I know that I'm genuinely excited about it. Yeah, because I want to listen to it again. There's times I restrain myself because I'm like, this will probably be a diminishing returns if I keep listening to this thing. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I just sort of those are the but then that's how I, you know, notice what songs jump out. Right. Or you know maybe maybe the song you were working on that day, and, and you can make a really you know, the decision then uh, I think to not be lazy with these things is, is quite a good uh, way to uh, way to go about it of course you know yeah. um, you know uh, of course and you tell yourself you know well I've heard it enough now I, I know I've heard it enough now and this so that's why like sometimes when I I'm sort of getting off track here a little bit no that's great but when I suggest something to somebody like I don't especially now it was different years ago but I don't need to tell anybody who I'm working with right now how to play their instrument mm -hmm. or what to do. Mm. I mean, their idea is just as valid as mine, if not more. It's just that if I have a suggestion, it's something that jumps out to me because I've listened to it that many times, because I'm not going to come in and just ask you to try this and waste your time. I've, I've, I've thought about it and I think this will actually, I think this will do it. Right. I think this will help or I think this would be cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, but it's it's but I still get that excited to listen to it all the time. Right. Not unless I'm in it though, you know. But once I get into it, then it's like that's it. That's how I have to. I just that's, I can't help it. That's how how it, how it, how it goes. But I mean, Mike's was the first one, and then I guess people sort of dug it, and you know, just asked to. You know, asked me to do uh, another one and another one and another one. You know. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, but I mean, really, I think like that's that's. It's really where it comes from is just a genuine sort of excitement, to see a thing something go from not very much to something, that, is uh, that feels really good, you know. Right. Mm. Um. Obviously, every record is different, but, uh, have you, what what's sort of been the breadth of experiences for you in terms of ways to make a record? And I guess what I mean by that is that. I've really enjoyed in my own career the idea of using like a standard recording studio for some records. Uh, for Kat McCleavy's full length, we moved into her old grandmother's house uh, to make the record there. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, there's been records I've made almost entirely in the box. Like it feels like I've done a bunch of different kinds of things, and I find that exciting because all of the 
maybe preconceived notions I had about any one of those things would consistently get shattered by either being forced to work in those situations or choosing to work in those situations. How have you found that for for your records? Because I know you've definitely done records in houses. You've done yep. them in, you know, big rooms and small rooms. Yep. You know? I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, sometimes you really have to go with what you're given, you know. Uh, other times, uh, the decision becomes obvious that it gives it a little bit of, uh, I mean, Janet's album, for, for example, um, we were going to use this house on Casey Street, this big, huge, which would have sounded great, I guess, but, you know, it was freezing cold, like, you know, there were logistical things about it. But then thinking about it, you know, I was like, and I, I was thinking about it, I said, don't be discouraged, why don't we do it? Just get this big, nice house on, uh, you know, in a nice part of town. I said, well, why don't we just uh, move into your house? Do it in your living room. You come downstairs, that's your life mm. for as long as we do it. You know, the drums put it there, treat it, treat it nice. Like, have a nice little place to have the, the control room with a fire log burning all the time. I mean, like, that's sort of the ultimate. Mm-hmm. But that really came from another place not working out. Right. That idea, like, you know, I, it only came because something else didn't work out. But looking back on it, I mean, even then we did her real vocals up at their, uh, up at uh, a cabin of theirs and looking out over the ocean and all. I mean, all those things, like, really make a difference. But I, they are all different. I mean, in terms of how you mic things, in terms of, I mean, also in terms of how much time you take to, to get, like, sometimes a, a, a sound that feels real is better than a sound that f- feels perfect. Totally. You know, totally. and I, and I think that that, I think that's the biggest thing to, f- to figure out. And I don't think that really matters where you're recording it. I've said that for years to people that I feel like whatever you're you losing in fidelity, whatever that means. And in this case, we're talking about studio a or something, you know, mm. uh, what you'd lose there. You, you'd make up for potentially in vibe or mm. X factor. Yeah. If it's, I mean, it still has to be recorded well, yeah. but presuming it's recorded yeah. at least well, yeah. you will make up for that if it's the right space, which could be somebody's house or wherever. I mean, that was the right space for that particular album. I've done, um, well, I've done a lot of albums out at, uh, well, the great big studio was great, mm-hmm. but I mean, it wasn't quite, it wasn't that much different, really. I mean, it still felt... It's, if you feel like you're in somebody's house... Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Stage like, House is... Yeah. You know, well, when was that was open, is a house. Of course, I mean, of course. yeah. yeah. Uh, just a really nice living room. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> essentially, yeah. I mean, it was just so... I think the, the thing to strive for is to feel like you're recording in your house. Right. right. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, the big thing is, too, I mean, I think, again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about... And I remember when Sandy and I were recording at, uh, you know, in the late 90s when I was first there, I mean, it just felt like that. It always felt like communal and people were there hanging out, having a good time. And I think that's the, the most important thing to catch, even mm-hmm. though, like you said, things have to sound good and, and all that. But it can't take away from the fun of it because then it's just, I mean, it sounds, it sounds hard. Totally. You know, it sounds hard to, you can almost really tell fun can't you? or or belief yeah rather than you know like is this perfectly in time or is this yeah i don't know i mean that has to be there too but i i really do believe that there has to be without fun there's no there's no good albums right i don't think well know? a feeling is stronger than a thought i've always yeah. thought yeah or fun fun or but some some sort of 
belief in something other than technicality. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, totally. So uh, here's an impossible answer question. Uh, What makes a good song? Belief. If people will believe it or not, I Mm. think. Mm. Um, Yeah, you can really tell when people believe in what they're doing. And if they really believe in it, I think that that really, I think that's the only way to answer that question. Um, You know, you listen to like lots of Ron songs or like Termit songs, just to mention a few from here. I mean, uh, I really think you have to believe in a song in order for it to be good. And uh, that's as much as I have figured out at this point. Right. I guess it, it, that is the thing that, uh, that animates the bones of it, you know, because I mean, brings it to life. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Everything is ultimately uh, like a body is made up of parts. It's like, Mm -hmm. there's going to be, rhythms and chord structures and melodies but mm-hmm. at the end of the day there's so much of that you know i had i had this chat with with fergus where we were talking about the nature of all these you know these old great songs from hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. and it's interesting to think about why uh why some of them survive and why others don't you know uh maybe that's maybe that's the answer i'm not sure i guess uh maybe like if somebody can Maybe you can get into that moment or you can take that a little bit, you know, take it closer to heart. But believing in it and being in it is the only thing that I can, I don't know how to explain it any more than that. But right. I think uh, belief in music is is probably the most important thing about it, personally, for me, speaking personally anyway. Right. How do you relate that to your own catalog now? Uh, obviously, presumably, you believed in all the songs or still do believe in the songs you've written. I know for me, I I have from my own catalog, but if, if we applied that logic to them, I'd be like, I mean, I certainly believe less in, in the song that I wrote 15 years ago now than mm-hmm. I did then. I definitely believed in it then, you know, because my tastes have changed. My approach to songwriting and performance have changed. So I think that as a document, the recording probably still stands because I cared about it and performed it a certain way at the time, but now I would probably assess my own catalog differently. You know, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, you know, obviously there's there's some that I, you know, you don't want to hear, or or, or, yeah, or just yeah. there's like, wow. Well, like, well. But there what are, was I thinking? There, what there, was I believing at that right, time? Yeah. But but there are some that I can, you know, realize how long ago they were when I wrote them. Even some that I haven't I haven't recorded or, but I still remember from. I mean, there's some that I wrote a couple of months ago that I can't remember. Right. So... Is that the factor then? You're like, that That says it right there. I mean, I would like to, you know, I'll have to dig through a couple of old iPhones to find some that might, you know, <laughs> that might still be good. But I just, uh, I mean, I think that I've, I've, some of the stuff that I've done years ago is as good as the stuff that I've done now. And I think that that was because I chose to surround myself or in people that I believed in. Right. You know, because I, I, I believed in myself and music and all of this as much when I was 20 as I do now at, at almost 40. Right. So, right. you know, it's, it's nothing's really changed except that I've, and I don't even know, like, I mean, at, at songwriting, I don't know if I've really gotten any better at it. Some are good, some are not. You know, I mean, I don't know if that's really changed. Mm. You know, I mean, I guess I could, I want to think that I am. I think I, I think I can understand quickly what's going to work and what's not going to work 
But if I could sit down and write a great song every time I wanted to, I mean, I, you know, it's just, I don't, uh, I, I think like just being out there and sort of searching for the whole thing is just what, I don't know if that will ever change. I don't know if anybody gets that much better at it, except for, you know, you're, you're, you want to be. Right. Well, if you don't want to be better at it, I don't know if you get better at it. Right. You know? Right. I don't know. I mean, that's just how I sort of think about it sometimes. I mean, it's a real, uh, it's a real dark art, isn't it? It's a moving target. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, more than 20 years doing it now, how do you keep that drive and motivation alive? I mean, you and I have had some great chats about this off mic, you know, mm -hmm. just sort of the ebbs and flows of projects, you know, I, I've, I don't think I've said this to you, but I, I've remember listening to a Daniel Lemois interview where he talked about, you know, seven year cycles and thinking about his life in that way, as in like, he's, he's seen arcs within his own career of just, you know, a beginning, a middle and an end to something. Which is, you know, as a fan, fascinating to try to imagine what that could even mean in the context of what we know of his work as yeah. an extremely famous artist. Yeah. You know, but and I'm curious sort of how you process your own career in that way. You know, how do you keep that excitement alive? You talked a little about it when it came to like making that first record for Mike. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me more. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think like, I mean, there's been so many times where I've sort of considered, you know, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror or, or, or think about, like, you know, come on, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, well, I think that, I mean, maybe not just even that with what we're doing. I think a lot of people have that same sort of feeling in their lives. It's universal, for you sure. You know what I mean? Is yeah. to, you know, do I want to be doing this? Do yeah. I want to, you know, I mean, do I want to change who I am? Do I want a different life and all that sort of thing? But I find that they come when you least expect it, man. Like, some, you'll hear some album, like, and just it can just reinvigorate the whole thing, or or some person that makes you believe again, like someone that's and I, like I said, keep going back to that word belief. I'm not even sure if it's because they're really that good, or yeah, I don't know. They, I guess they got to be good in some ways, but also I miss it after a while, right? And that's always a you know if I I sometimes I can just say well. I, you know, I picked up the guitar to go do a gig or whatever. But I haven't picked it up to try to write a song in a while. And then I, but after a while, then I sort of want to have a new song of mine. Right. Even if it's just like half, if it's a verse and a chorus that I just record and then feel as though I've done something. Mm. There's just this sort of, you know, I miss it. Mm -hmm. I miss it. And I don't know if there's a better way to describe it than just, to, you know, it's just become, uh, it's become just a, a, par a part of me, you know, like, and I'm not like, I'm not completely 100% driven by music. Like I'm, I also, I'm just as driven to, for other parts of my life. I mean, I want to be happy. I want to be half decent to people, but that's something that I realized I sort of need to be happy. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm, you know, like the produ production thing has been a really good thing because you're around people who, who like they're always around an energy of somebody's, somebody's excited then, of course, right? This, their album. And so, you know, there's always that, that's really helped, I've, I've found, but I just, I don't know, man, I just sort of, I like there being nothing one day and something the next day. I get excited about that. Mm. You know, that's the biggest thing, I think, you know, really. It's just incredible to me still, like how, and how a bunch of people can talk together and sort of get to the same point. Right. You know? Yeah, I thought a lot about trying to, to put my finger on 
why to do this because i mean ultimately so many aspects of it are crazy and countless ways you know like first i mean just the idea of sitting down and going i'm going to put together three chords in the truth like millions before me i mean you you can't even begin to process that when you're actually doing it or you'd never get anywhere you no. know and the idea of going and then getting on a stage and and inflicting yourself upon others i mean that's that's bizarre the more you think i mean you basically can't think about any of these things and so i so no, no. and yet we have to at some point we sort of go like but why though why do it knowing that why do it i mean i think i've thought of it a lot as a, a, a communication thing like i get a kick out of i get a kick out of like chatting with you here now yes yeah. that's, that's the reason to do this because it's a version of that it's a version of like playing songs for people and I guess production is, is similar. It sounds like it's similar to what you're describing, like a group of people getting into a room and communicating for some sort of purpose, which yeah. could be making a record mm. or it could be being on stage and, yeah. you know, yeah. playing gigs. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And through all, through all the little, like, back back and forth between people, you still get, you still get there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, at this point, do you feel... Like, do you feel like you need each one of those things? Like, now that you're making records, clearly you get a lot out of that. You're writing songs, you get a lot of that. You're performing, you get something out of that. Do you, like, where do all those kind of stack up for you? Like, where, you know, do you need all those things in a, in a week, a month, a year of your life? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I do. I think I need all of it. Okay. What's the, can you rank it? What's the, what's, what do you, could you make one record a year and tour six months of the year? Like what's the. I could rank it for right now, but yeah. that could change next week. Of course. Or, or next month of or whatever. Course. But I think to stack it right now, it would be producing songs and performing. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, then, then of course, if you're not performing enough, then you sort of miss that a little bit and you want to go out and do it. But as of right now, as of this night, that's, that's how I would rank it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What's, uh. What's the most recent thing you've heard? Maybe it's the thing you sent me back in January, the Wild Nocturne. What's the most recent thing you've been listening to that you've been really digging? Uh, the, well, that's a great album, the Wild Nothing Nocturne album. But the one that I've been listening to lately that's really sort of got me is uh, Mavis Staples' uh, If All I Was Was Black. Oh, uh, yeah. Jeff Tweedy produced it. Yeah. And I've been thinking about it because I've got an album coming up with, with Janet and Elliot and, uh, and, and uh, the guys and... I've been sort of thinking about like just the way he's treated that with, of course, her, her beautiful sort of voice and personality that came through it. But I'm really stuck on that. I've been listening to that a lot. Cool. You should check it out. It's cool. really, it's, it's, it's really good. And there's not a lot, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of organ, electric guitar, bass, a lot of, a lot of vocal, tiny bit of percussion. Like there's not a, not a huge, huge production, but really, really good. That's, that's been the, the album that I've been really going to in the last, last couple of months. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. What about you? Oh, man. Um, you know, I've been getting more and more into uh, kind of the ambient and electronica mm. stuff and just playing with that, you know? So I've mm. actually been going back to, like, David Bowie's Low oh, and nice. uh, some more Eno stuff. and yeah. Real, like, Aphex Twin. Like, I mean, I've been listening to some weird stuff lately. But, but fun, you know? Just yeah. sort of listening to what what synths can do and you know i've spent the last few years like subtly creeping some of that into to music that i've been producing and having fun with it but mm. but it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a weakness in my musical palette so i'm sort of like i don't know just taking the the long cold boring winter to try to yeah. try to educate myself you know well see all you know the thing is is that even though this mavis staples album is fairly new i'll be listening to that 
you know, in five years. Right. <laughs> yeah, still, yeah. I'll still be going back to that. Oh, I'm going to listen to that again. And somebody's going to go, okay, let me listen to that again. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Once it gets me, it sort of, it gets me. I listen to like Creature of Habit with certain things, you know. Yeah. And once I love an album, I just love it. I yes. listen to it a lot, yeah. And I do feel like that's a, in my own life, that's a, a treasured experience, right? Like all those records I just named, maybe one of them, you know, will will be that, but maybe not. You know, there it's when you find the one, it's just like a relationship or something. Like yeah. there's certain records I'll get obsessed with, and it'll be almost unhealthy. I'll just listen to it, you know. And and I feel it's really interesting when those records come along because, like nine months to a year after that, I'll start to hear some of that in something I'm doing mm-hmm. and get to see that creative delay yeah. you know of like wow yeah that's that's in that's in the but that's in my dna now in your mind yeah in, you know? yeah well in in you yeah exactly it's funny yeah it's <laughs> funny i was tom petty is like that for i think uh, a lot of a lot of the people i know like grew up around our time playing in rock bands and stuff sure you know and it's like yeah it's you know for a lot of people though because that was the radio too i guess right when we were all growing up like that was what you heard right you know it's, right yeah, it's funny. I think it's, uh, you know, I think I might have had this chat with you as well at, at some point, but just sort of talking about like, like my first record with a band was 2006 and kind of started playing on the scene in 2003. And that was sort of matched up with around the time that um, like organizations like Music NL started to do album grants. And, and now looking back, whatever, more than 15 years it, it's like you could see that the difference in how the industry began to explode, I think, as a result of that. like And the internet. Those yeah. those those two things, both one on a very local level and one on a global level, meant that suddenly it seemed that from 2003 to now, the types of music in St. John's, the number of records coming out, the quality of the records coming out, like the scene has just changed yeah. massively. Like, you know, I mean, RPM month yeah you know the number of records that come out later this month will probably eclipse every record made in newfoundland from 1960 to 2000 or something you know it's going to be hundreds of records that are going to come out in in whatever way coming out means now digital you know or whatever um but it's just fun to think about like uh, the the nature of of like how the internet will affect uh creative output you know and how like like how many records now people can listen to? Like you just said, Tom Petty was probably an influence because of commercial radio. Yeah. Now you can hear anything at any yeah. time. Like well, what you know, will that mean for the next generation of people being influenced by something? But is it, do you have to do you have to you have to search for it a little bit more now, don't you? Or maybe yeah. Like, well, I mean, yeah. Spotify will tell you what to listen to through I algorithms. I suppose. Oh yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. But if you like Tom Petty, you'll also like. Yeah. And it'll give you some more Tom Petty. Well, well, I suppose that's very true. That's very true. But I mean, I just remember at the time too. Like I mean. You just, you, you heard what you heard, you know what I mean? There was no, you weren't searching for anything. It was right. just, you know, so I don't know if that Do really Do you think has, that's good or bad? I, don't I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, it's, it's too soon to even, it happens so fast now, it's hard to get your head around it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how to, I don't have, I really don't know anything about how to, how to, you know, to sort of catch up to the industry or anything like that. I have no, no idea whatsoever. Right. I don't really pay much attention to it either, but I mean, I probably should pay a bit more attention to it, but... I don't know. I mean, it, it just happens. It's just so fast. Yeah. Like, I don't know it's if something. I'd have that Nocturne album in my head if it wasn't for technology. Yeah. You know? but yeah, yeah. Like, even yeah. if even if it had gotten to you and you recommended it, 
if, if it hadn't been it, for the ability would, to go home and open Apple. You Music might not go to the store and buy it I mean, right away, yeah, yeah, at least. Yeah, you know, yeah, like so. There yeah. is there is elements that I'm like, well, that's for cool sure, for sure. Yeah. But then I'm also like, but that album could easily be pushed out if I'm listening to like 20 more albums that week as a result of Apple Music. So yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's just it's it's. I don't know if anybody knows really. It's just the way it's going, and that's sort of the. I mean, to, I'm sure everybody has a different opinion on it, but I, I don't really. I find it sort of like hard to, it's like, uh, so big to th even think about. Sure. And then you sort of catch up to one thing, and you know, two months later, there's something else coming out that you're trying to catch up to. I mean, it's almost hard to, you know, to to be on top of it all the time. But I mean, I think if people are hearing more music, and that means that people are coming out to their shows, it's a really good thing. Totally. You know, yeah. I mean, I guess that's really, you know, that's a that's a big part of it, and I think that's so. It's, I think it's really great for that. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. You know that people can have access to a lot of people that they wouldn't have heard of otherwise, mm -hmm. and go see them next week when they're in town or whatever. That's that's got to be a good thing. Yes, yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Do you think more people are going out to shows? I don't know about that right now. I mean, I well, I think that you know, I think that a lot of people are are pushing that a little bit more. I think because it's what they need to what they need to be doing. You know, they're. Maybe they're touring a bit more. Do you think there's any? Do you think that's that's a real thing? Like, do you think people are touring more because of, you know, to sell albums, or are they just? I think I it mean, depends I, I, on. Uh, man, I think it depends on the circles we're talking about. I, I mean, guess I so. Think that's very true. I mean, if yeah. we're talking about A-list bands, then and A-list bands being like the U2s of the world, or like some like even the second or third tiers down from them who are still massively famous bands, mm -hmm. you know, uh, probably, you know, um, I think that the sort of grassroots indie scene are kind of perpetually touring regardless, you know, I don't well, that's know true, how I guess, lucrative yeah. that is, but yeah. I think they are perpetually touring. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's sort of the way to, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's just that it's pretty, it's pretty wild that it's happened so fast where I know just from my own experience that you could, you know, 15 years ago, you could make money from an album selling, mm -hmm. you know, or from a, a song getting played on the radio. I mean, and like, it's, that's a, it's a, just a huge change. And I mean, I'm not the right person, I don't think, to talk about that because I'm not one to be out like touring and stuff. I've done s bits of it over, 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 over time, but it's not something that I, you know, I know a, a, a whole lot about really in terms of how it's going to change my life because I sort of keep to what I'm doing around here for the most part. Mm hmm but um you know i i it really is it's it's the thing though like the, i i really think like the live show has become i don't know like a bit more of a more important yeah well it's a genuine to to, to, to everybody you know what i mean like i think it's spread out a little bit more than somebody who's going to be able to you know if uh you know if an album if a, if a band is going to put out an album that's going to sell a ton maybe they're, they're not going to go out and like uh, beat the streets for a while sure. you know what i mean i don't know if and maybe there is a craving for that in an age where there's so much on-demand entertainment in your own home that at some point, though, we're still humans and we want to go out and interact with other humans in a space where something yeah. physical is happening. Right? Yeah, yeah, if you don't sure. just want to watch Netflix or have our experience curated through social media, that yeah. I don't think anyone feels like, well... Well, I went on Facebook for two hours and watched a Netflix special. That was a crazy night out. Yeah. Like no one feels that way. It's no. it's a different experience, and it'll always be. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So the show, I think, will always be there for absolutely. that reason. Absolutely, absolutely. And they're a lot of fun. Yeah, right. That's true. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Most of the time is right. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, thanks, man. Uh, you know, this has been fun. Yes, excellent. Yeah, no problem, my friend. And that's it. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with my pal, Kayla Mahoney. Tune in next week when my guest will be Sharon King Campbell. Thanks a lot.